What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with me for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. All of my baseball and fantasy baseball content goes out over there. My nightly threads, my weekend articles, and of course, these shows, which go out Monday through Friday. And I've had a, one or two people ask about the show it will be going on throughout the entire offseason. This show goes all year round. I know some people switch to football or basketball content in the offseason. For those of you who want to get your baseball and fantasy fill, I'm going to be here every single weekday of the offseason. So please do subscribe. Leave a positive review on the show if you have not done so already. It might help us to bring in a couple more viewers here before we start to dip off a bit for the offseason. Completely understandable. People get focused in on fantasy basketball, on football, on their lives. People go back to school. I understand. But please do uh, subscribe. Leave a five-star review if you have not done so already. We're going to be looking back today. Well, we'll do pretty much everything we usually do. Look back on the top players from yesterday. We'll look at the most added and dropped players on the waiver wire, and we'll look at a couple of matchups taking place tonight and throughout the day. So Charlie Morton, I think, is the number one performer from yesterday. Six and two-thirds against the Mets. Right there, that's impressive enough. Without factoring in the 12 strikeouts, the only three hits allowed. He's been a little bit shaky recently. He's been alternating good and bad starts uh, just over his last few outings. Zero, five, zero, four, zero, five. Those are the earned run totals. Hopefully that next time out, he can give you uh, a solid outing. It's the Astros, so it will be a little bit of a challenge here, and he's due for a bit of a bad one, but I don't think you can buy too much into that kind of thing. I'm buying into what we've seen from Charlie Morton over the last, really, couple of months, but specifically over this last month, he's thrown 30 in the third, 267 ERA, .92 whip, and 39 strikeouts. The only things that are really holding him back this season in terms of his value, uh, like season ranking-wise, are some of those inconsistencies we saw recently, and even at the beginning of the year. He struggled with his walks. Uh, he was allowing three, four earned runs every single night. And, you know, his ERA is not bad. It's at 4.04. You'll take it. It should be probably better considering how he's pitched, but it's fine. The six victories he has, you'd figure someone pitching for a contending team like him, you'd figure probably eight to ten wins at this point of the season, hopefully even more, but I think you just kind of have to accept that there's only six. There's nothing you can do about it. He's still been fantastic. No worries here about Charlie Morton. I know the odd person every now and again gets a little worried about him. I'll get a message maybe every couple weeks saying, is Charlie Morton that guy? Is he someone I should be trying to trade? Now most people have had their trade deadlines pass, but I'm pretty confident in Charlie Morton the rest of the season here. You should probably have, I'm not even sure how many games are left in the season, seven more starts? Oh, that's honestly a good thing. I haven't really taken note of that in in a while, how many games we've played on the season. So just looking at the Yankees, 72 and 45. So we have about 45 games left. He should have maybe eight, nine starts. I'm not worried about Charlie Morton during that stretch. It's actually surprising, really, that there's that much time left. It feels like, honestly, that there's less. If you just asked me before I'd looked that up, I would have said there's maybe 30-ish games left for each team. But thinking about the schedule, I guess it makes sense. We're going uh, into the first week of October this season. So does make sense, but uh, wow, it, it does still feel a little bit surprising. Let's move on, though, to Sonny Gray. He skipped his last start in the rotation, I believe, or they made him, or he passed the day or something like that. There was something uh, with Sonny Gray. I think they pushed him back a day or two in the rotation. He started here against Kansas City, six innings, three hits, one walk, and ten strikeouts. Sonny Gray is another guy who people are 
alternatively worried about here and there, but recently he has been really strong. Over the last month, 26 and two-thirds innings, three victories, 32 strikeouts, a 1.69 ERA, and a 1.05 whip. Sonny Gray, I've never been a huge Sonny Gray guy for whatever reason. I remember liking him when he first came up uh, back in Oakland, but I've never really been so sold on what he does fantasy-wise. Now, he has really been solid recently, and this is not a knock on what he's done, but he did play the Royals. It's not, you know, it's not the greatest team uh, matchup-wise here. Previous start against the Dodgers was not so great. The one before that against the Jays was pretty good. He only gave up one hit, but he did walk five. So there's every now and then there's something concerning here with Sonny Gray. I'm not really worried about him. I think he's fine to throw out there, but I'm definitely not as high on him as a lot of people in the fantasy community are. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Let's talk about Nick Pavetta. He's someone who, man, we've talked about him a lot this season, a lot more than I anticipated talking about Nick Pavetta. He was flat-out dominant for like two months, and then he completely fell off a cliff. But yesterday, he showed that he can still have a little bit of streaming value. Seven innings against the Pirates, only one hit, three walks, and six strikeouts. Yes, it was the Pirates. Their lineup is just brutal. I, I, I forget if it was... I think it was yesterday. There was a clip going around on Twitter of somebody talking about the Pirates lineup, and it's just like a who's who of nobodies or something. I think this was maybe their, even their own announcers, or maybe it was the opposing announcers. But I feel like we've seen that quite a bit this season of teams just throwing out lineups, and we're looking at them like, who the hell is this? The Nationals have done that recently. Uh, the Athletics, some of their lineups have been kind of questionable. The Reds, not to the same quite the same extent, but still, uh, we've seen a lot of these teams throwing out players that it's just, it's, I don't know, they're not competitive really. And I think Major League Baseball has a bit of a problem there in terms of how competitive the top-level teams are and how not competitive you have those uh, basement teams. And, yeah, I think it was yesterday, and you were just looking at, well, there's teams like the Royals who aren't doing well, and they're sending out guys who aren't really known, but they're, they're top prospects. You know, you've got your Melendezes and your Pasquantinos and your Bobby Witt Juniors. They didn't come into the season as established names, per se, but they are players who have a lot of promise, where you see, I think, the Pirates and teams like that, just throwing out guys who are you know, middling prospects, no one that's really going to rock the world. It's kind of disappointing a little bit in terms of the entire product that is being put out on the field. There's not so much, I can't think of a proper solution for it right now, except maybe to have like a salary cap as opposed to, but we just did the whole CBA shit. That's not going to happen. It's, it's not going to happen. I just wish there was a better way of keeping all 30 teams somewhat competitive. Right now, it's it's hard for those bottom 10 or so teams to really, you know, incentivize their fans to even show up at the ballpark. And, you know, part of this, this isn't really about Nick Pavetta, but I guess it kind of ties in. He was able to have a good outing after struggling, and maybe part of that is because he was facing a lineup of players who, to be kind, are not the greatest Major League Baseball players. So I like Nick Pavetta. I think he's not somebody you need to hold on your roster. I think that you can stream him in when good matchups come up like this one. His next start will be against the Orioles. And I would say, yeah, he's probably a decent streamer against the Orioles. That is on Sunday. So it'll really depend on what you need matchup-wise if you're in head-to-head, if you need a little bit of a boost in strikeouts, potential for a win. I think that Nick Pavetta uh, should be a decent play there on Sunday. Let's talk a little bit now about Merrill Kelly, who had another really strong start yesterday. He's turned into one of my favorite pitchers, uh, well, not really in baseball, but just for fantasy purposes this season. He's flown under the radar. He was someone you could add it up until pretty recently. I think now he's up to about 85% rostered. But for a long time, people were 
thinking, ah, you know, he's not great. He really has not had a great career, Merrill Kelly. But when you look at what he's done this season, 144 innings, 10 victories, 122 strikeouts is not going to blow you away, sure. But a 281 ERA and a 1.12 whip. That is phenomenal. He's done it against good teams. He's done it against bad teams. Recently, he has not been maybe quite as sharp. Going back these previous couple of starts here, there was a couple of walks and things like that. But if you look at what he's done all year, uh, there's really not many bigger surprises for me pitching-wise uh, than Merrill Kelly. I was thinking he would be someone who, you know, earlier in the year there was a few good starts he strung together in a row, and you're thinking, okay, maybe there's some streamer potential here. But he's turned into a must-roster player. He's an absolute must-roster across all formats. That doesn't mean you start him in every single appearance. There might be, you know, a Dodger game or, or Padres, whoever, where you want to sit him down. Completely understandable, but he shouldn't be available in any kind of league. He's kind of been like the Martin Perez here in the National League this season. I think that's a decent comp for him. Absolutely should be on every roster. I think he's about 85%, so it's not going to be many leagues, but if he is still just sitting on your waiver wire, uh, I, would, I would go and place a claim on Merrill Kelly. Let's talk about Kerry Carpenter for a second, and I'm sure some of you just said who, as I mentioned his name. I personally never heard of him until yesterday when I was watching the Fantasy Pros Baseball podcast. The Welsh mentioned him as somebody who can be a serious upside power ad uh, for these last few weeks. Looking at his minor league numbers, he had 30 home runs between AA and AAA, and his overall product improved once he got uh, to AAA. He started walking more, striking out less. All the numbers improved. I think it was eight homers in 34 games once he was promoted. He's homered now in two straight games. He's drawn a few walks. I think that he's someone who should be added wherever you need a bit of a power boost in teams or in leagues deeper than 12 teams. I think it might be kind of hard in a 12-teamer, especially right now. He's only eligible uh, in the utility spot. A few more outfield appearances, and he'll gain eligibility there. So that's not something I'd worry about so much. Um, but I think right now he's more of a plus 12, so like a 14, 15-team add. And I think you could maybe make the argument in a 12 if you really needed a power boost. It's kind of iffy there, I think, but uh, anything deeper than that, I would be taking a shot on him. There are some teams where you just need to make up power. It doesn't really matter what else is going on. Uh, Carpenter is someone who has that kind of potential. He's someone I'd really think about adding uh, off the waiver wire here. Julio Rodriguez, three for five yesterday, a couple of singles and a home run. I heard a lot of chatter in the last couple of days about Adley Rutschman is now, you know, in the conversation for Rookie of the Year. And... Uh, it's hard for me to say that he's not, but it's also hard for me to say that he is at the same time. Like, he's pretty much past Bobby Witt, it seems like. And I think a big part of that is Bobby Witt's defense. From what I remember looking at about a week ago, I think Bobby Witt had, like, the worst defensive run saved. Or maybe he was outs above average. But there was one of, one of the major defensive stats where he was, like, dead last in Major League Baseball. That kind of thing definitely does not work for you. I would have thought that Witt would have been the logical successor to Julio once he went down with his injury. It wasn't too serious. He only missed, uh, what did Julio even end up missing? Like a week, maybe two weeks? Yeah, I think it was less than two weeks. So I think it's still going to be his award to win. But I think it's really curious, this whole this whole Rutschman argument, because I, just, I don't know. The catcher thing will work for him. Definitely will work for him as opposed to an outfielder. He appears to be a fantastic leader. He gets on base a lot. He's really picked it up over these last few weeks. I think there was some stat, like, he has the third highest on-base percentage going back to, like, July 1st behind, I think it was Juan Soto, and uh, I forget the other name now. <clears throat> it was some it was some stud name. Uh, I can't remember. But he has the third best on-base going back, like, a month and a half. 
I understand why people want to vote for Rutschman. I think it's still Julio's award to win, though. I mean, Julio is just ridiculous. Will Rutschman be a perennial all-star best catcher in baseball for the next few years? I think it's likely. I think that he is literally going to be like Joe Maurer. I think that's exactly the kind of player he's going to be. Maybe some Buster Posey, Yadi Molina, Pudge Rodriguez, whoever you want to compare him to. I think Joe Maurer is a really good comp there, a great leader, a guy who gets on base a hell of a lot. I think that that's Adley Rutschman there for you. This season, I don't know that I'd be I'd be really interested in placing a rookie of the year bet on him. I just think it's we're a little bit too late in the game now. Maybe if he'd come up a little bit earlier, had a little bit more time, then we might be talking. But as of right now, Rutschman has 240 at bats. Julio has just shy of 400. I don't know that he's going to be able to make up the kind of counting stats that the voters are going to need to see in order to give it to him. I think it's going to be maybe a little bit interesting here, but probably when we, when it boils down to it, I think it's Julio's award to lose. I do want to talk a little bit here about the Houston and Chicago game from yesterday because this is one that we hyped up. It was one that the world hyped up, the baseball world hyped up. And I think it delivered to some extent, although I was expecting maybe a little bit better. It did still hit the under. I was able to win a bet on the under 7.5. Some places it was at 7, so it really depends what book you were using. But uh, that was the only bet I placed on the game because I was kind of thinking, you know, it's whenever there's two studs like this going up against each other, a lot of the time one will do better, like quite a bit better than the other one, and then it kind of makes it... I don't know, hard to bet any particular prop or, you know, you're, you're betting on, let's say you're betting on Cease to have a great game and you bet on Cease. It's, it's just, I find it very, very messy when there's two studs like this. And I just kind of avoided it. I took the under because I figured it would still be a, a pretty low scoring game. And it was, but I think that, I don't know. I feel like Verlander probably locked up that Cy Young yesterday. I know that later in his outing, it got a little bit messy there in the seventh inning. Uh, it was a couple of base hits, and you know, it was an error involved. And I, I think that still, regardless, he locked up the Cy Young because Cease just wasn't his sharpest. He walked three batters. He allowed three earned runs for the first time, and it seems like forever. Uh, I would just, I don't know. Maybe it's too soon to make these kind of declarations about about Verlander, but it's hard to see anybody else beating him in that race at this point. It's unfortunate he gave up those earned runs in the seventh inning. His ERA actually went up yesterday, but it's still at 1.95. His whip is at 0.88. I just, I think it's his award to lose at this point. I've bounced around this season between McClanahan and I was on the cease train for a few weeks there, but I think the walk rate is going to be what ends up killing him. I just avoided betting, uh, you know, strikeout totals and outs over and unders for pitchers here. I just wanted to stay away and I'm glad I stayed away, despite the fact that some of these bets were probably all right, but you would have lost like a cease strikeout bet. Or, I mean, both of them actually went under their strikeout numbers. I'm, I'm very glad I stayed away. It was an entertaining game, but I think we were hoping for maybe a little bit more here. Cease only going five innings. I think we wanted more than that. I think we absolutely wanted more than that. Verlander getting into the – or working seven innings, that's, that's great. He threw a lot of strikes, 71 strikes on 103 pitches. Didn't really see that out of Cease. Uh, it was 93 pitches for Cease and 55 strikes. I, I just, I don't know. I, I Maybe you guys could let me know on Twitter or wherever, but I just was expecting more out of this game, and it felt like a little bit of a letdown, to be honest with you. But I don't want to spend too much time on it. Let's keep going here. Nico Horner is someone I've talked about 
a lot and he keeps producing. And I think that it was really, really <laughs> disrespectful that he's still sitting on waiver wires. Three for four yesterday, stole another base. He was at 49% rostered when I checked last night. I wonder how many people have added him up today. 51% rostered now. It's getting better. Uh, it still needs to keep going up and up. He's stolen 13 bases. He's hit seven home runs, which is kind of a miracle because he's not a home run guy. He's produced across all categories, batting over 300. I, I don't know why he is so widely available still. It's, it's very puzzling, especially at a position like second base where there's not a whole lot of value. I don't know why he is still available in so many leagues. It's, it's pretty crazy. Let's talk about Franville Reyes. He hit a home run yesterday. I mentioned him on Twitter in my thread yesterday. He is a solid upside power grab here. He's going to get regular playing time. It's not a great lineup. But it's a pretty friendly ballpark. Uh, it's like I think a top eight or ten ballpark in terms of uh, hitting hit factor or park factors for hitters. Jesus, um, but Framil's going to get regular playing time there. He's shown how streaky he can be in the past. He could literally hit like ten home runs the rest of the season. I would not be surprised. He could even hit fifteen home runs the rest of the season, and I wouldn't be surprised. Now, yesterday it was against Patrick Corbin, sure. But he's had a hit in every game he's played so far for the Cubs. I think that he makes for a really solid ad here. Someone who's kind of in a similar vein there, uh, although I wouldn't recommend it as much, is Joey Gallo. He's also hit a few home runs. I think three home runs now since joining the Dodgers. The only problem with him is I think he's more of a daily changes guy. He's going to be somebody who is platoon. He'll face right-handed pitching. Lefties, it'll be very rare to get him in the lineup. And maybe he does, but he'll bat ninth the odd time kind of thing. Uh, a weekly changes league, I don't know that I would recommend Gallo. But if you're in a league where every single morning you set your lineup, you check the matchups, I think that there's really not that many players I'd rather have over Gallo at this point. He's out of New York, which was clearly a huge mental block for him there. I made the joke the other day that maybe he just wants to grow a beard again. Now, it's probably nothing that stupid, but athletes are very superstitious people with their equipment and their socks and all kinds of stuff. So, all I can tell you with any degree of certainty with Joey Gallo is that he looks a lot more comfortable wearing Dodger blue than he did wearing pinstripes at any point. That much is pretty clear. Let's move on now to the waiver wire portion of the show. We're just going to go through the most added and dropped players today in fantasy baseball. Number one, it's pretty close actually between two guys, and I could go with Drew Smiley here as the number one, but we're going to go Brett Beatty because I think it's more relevant uh, rest of season-wise. He is getting called up today. Uh, I'm not sure if he will be in the lineup or not, but I think he's worth a speculative ad. He's got a 315 average with 19 home runs, uh, 22 doubles in 95 games between double A and triple A. Luis Guillorme is on the injured list, and he will get playing time. Uh, Beatty's eligible at third base right now currently, and he's up to 25% rostered on Yahoo. I think he's worth a speculative ad in any leagues that are 12 teams and deeper. Really depends on your 12-teamer. There are different types. There's not, not all 12-teamers are created equal, I guess would be the way I would put it. And I've mentioned this before many times, so if you listen to the show regularly, uh, forgive me. But there are leagues where you have first and third base only and then maybe one utility slot. There are leagues where you have first and third and then a corner infield, a middle infield, two utility slots, five outfield slots. Like There are a lot of different formats. I think if you're Going anywhere beyond that standard first, third utility thing, uh, I think Beatty should be added. If you're just talking one third base slot, one utility slot, he might be kind of hard to fit in a 12-teamer. And I'm a little cautious prospect-wise just because it really is such a roll of the dice. I wouldn't be dropping anybody that's really established for him. If you have a spot, maybe you just put somebody on the IL 
or you had someone who was really, really dreadful that you needed to get rid of. Maybe you dropped that Joey Votto. I've heard his name talked about a bunch this morning as a very popular drop. Then I understand. I just, I'd be very cautious here because we've been hurt so many times with prospects. It's not that I don't have faith anymore. I just, I'm very, very careful. Uh, You're looking at, even just this year, there's been, among the hitting prospects that have come up, how many have been what we'd hope for? Michael Harris, Julio, Bobby Witt, O'Neill Cruz, um, Rutschman. Everybody else has been a disappointment pretty much to varying degrees. So, Yes, there is there is promise, there is hope here, but I'm <clears throat> I'm definitely taking the more cautious approach here uh, with Brett Beatty. Drew Smiley, he is starting today against Washington, 1 p.m. Eastern. By the time you guys hear this, it may have started already, but I think that he makes a really strong ad if you guys can still get him in before uh, first pitch here. The Nationals are a total joke. They put out triple A quality lineups. I mean, even with Juan Soto and Bell there before they were putting out terrible lineups, but now it's like, it's, it's really awful. Smiley should be a very strong stream just off of that. But also if you look at what he's done recently over the last month, 21 and two thirds, three victories, 22 strikeouts, a 249 ERA and a 1.15 whip, all really excellent stuff. Over his last 11 and two-thirds innings, which is two starts, he is not allowed an earned run at Cincinnati and also versus Miami. So not the toughest opponents, but going into Great American Ballpark, five shutout innings, you'll take that any day. And now, of course, against Washington, you will hope that he can replicate that in a much more friendly environment. Let's talk Vinny P. We've been talking a lot of Vinny P. recently, and he keeps performing. Two for three yesterday. Nothing crazy, no runs, no RBIs, but he is still someone who is producing over the last week, he is the ninth-ranked player over the last two weeks. Also the ninth-ranked player, three home runs, five RBIs over his last 21 at-bats. He's been fantastic. He should be at it absolutely everywhere rest of season. No doubt in my mind, like, Vinny P is a must-roster player. It should be going up and up and up. That roster percentage should be, I think, by the end of the season, somewhere in the 70s. I'm being realistic, it should probably be higher, but knowing the way the fantasy world works, uh, people will stop playing and whatnot. I think high 60s, uh, low 70s is where he'll end up. Try and grab him while you still can. Another fantastic option to stream today is Cal Quantrill. He gets Detroit later tonight at 7 p.m., so I'm assuming maybe you missed the smiley one because I'm recording this just maybe 11.30 after 11.30 here, and you guys are going to hear it maybe maybe after 1 o'clock. So if you miss out on smiley for a stream, Cal Quantrill against Detroit, This is about as good as it gets. Uh, His last two starts have been shutout outings against Toronto and Houston. 13 innings combined, 11 strikeouts. He's been fantastic. Over the last month, 29 and a third, he's got a 338 ERA, a sub one whip. Strikeouts are never going to be a massive thing for him. But if he's able to shut down Toronto and Houston in consecutive outings, I don't have much much worry about him uh, doing the same against Detroit here. So 65% rostered right now. He's going to be scooped up in a lot of leagues already. He's been added in 15% of leagues over the last week. But if you can still get him, uh, not many streamers I would prefer over Quantrill today. Let's talk Mike Soroka. He worked four scoreless in his rehab debut, and he was talking about how confident he is in his sinker. He gave like this, I just saw this brief clip, uh, I think Twitter or Instagram, I forget where I saw it, of him just having this little smirk on his face, talking about the sinker is as good as it's ever been, and he just looked really confident. I'm hoping for the best for Mike Soroka. He's been out a long time. I'm Canadian. You guys know that. I 
I root a little bit extra for the Canadian guys. And Soroka has shown, like, every time he's been in the big leagues, he's been really, really solid. He's got 286 ERA in his 37 career starts. That 2019 season was, you know, people kind of forget because it's been so long, but he was sixth in Cy Young voting as a rookie. He was fantastic. He's missed a lot of time, but I said this yesterday. I'm a little nervous just because after a guy comes back from missing so long, it wasn't an arm thing. It was his Achilles, but still. He hasn't pitched professional baseball in like a couple of years. Does well in his minor league start, and the sinker's working well. Those are great signs. I would just be a little bit cautious adding him in standard size leagues, especially where you don't have an IL slot. Now, he's up to 32% rostered, up 17% over the last week. I just don't think you should be dropping a guy who is currently giving you innings and production for someone who may hopefully give you some innings down the stretch here. They're not going to push him in the regular season. Doesn't make much sense. I mean, the Braves want the division title, but I think at the end of the day, they're not going to risk hurting Soroka again after missing him for so long just for the division. They're three and a half back of the Mets right now. I think they're fully capable of winning the division without Soroka. So he makes a nice little addition for the Braves, but I think more so geared towards the postseason. There will be a one or two starts probably where they ramp him up. And I don't think that there will really be deep outings for him. I'm just, I'm adding if I have a free IL slot, but I'm not going to just be holding him on the bench there, hoping for a couple of mid-late September starts where, you need guys to be going six, seven innings at that point, giving you productive outings. You can't have a guy starting in the fantasy playoffs giving you three innings, three strikeouts, one earned run. Uh, oh, well, you know, it's a three ERA. Uh, it's the fantasy playoffs. You need you need more so than that. I'm not sure what kind of workload he's going to have exactly, but I'm definitely thinking it's going to be ramped up slowly over time. And the main goal here is to have him ready for the playoffs. So I- I'm thinking this is a really a luxury stash right now. It's not something where you got to add him in every league. Situationally, yes, but for the most part, I'm, I'm, I'm showing caution here with Soroka. As much as I'm hoping for him, I love the guy. I love the Canadians here, but I think that we need to be a little bit more realistic with what we can actually expect from him over these last couple of weeks. George Kirby is another guy who's been added up quite a bit, and he absolutely should be. He gets the Angels tonight. It's, a, it's an embarrassment of riches for streaming. There's like three, four really good options tonight. It feels like the first time in the entire season where we've had this many decent, viable streamers between Smiley and Kirby and Quantrill, uh, you know, depending on your league size. Ross Stripling is also a decent option here. Uh, There are a lot of really good streamers today. George Kirby is among the better ones here. I was looking at stats yesterday on Fangraphs, and I don't have it up in front of me, but I believe this is correct. George Kirby has the lowest qualified walk rate in the bigs. I think it's 3.4%. That is ridiculous for a rookie. He has been fantastic, especially recently, last 20 innings, 24 strikeouts, a 2.18 ERA. Taking care of business against the good and the bad, I would be all in on him tonight against the Angels. It's actually 4 p.m. Eastern time, so 1 p.m. Pacific. I would be adding him up wherever you can. Let's talk about Ronzi Contreras for a second. You guys remember Ronzi Contreras, the Pirates starter who pitched pretty well over 50 innings, a sub-4 ERA, and then hasn't been seen or heard from now in like a month and a half? Well, he's going to be back in the big leagues tonight against the Red Sox. I think it's a little bit tricky here to want to be starting him uh, up against Boston. I know Boston is not exactly a juggernaut this season, 
but I'm not really sold on Contreras right now for this start, especially considering the abundance of other good streaming options here. I'm probably leaving him alone. If he does well, then people will start to add him up more. I could see that, but he's at 18% rostered right now. I think he'll be there on the wire tomorrow still. In most cases, uh, I would leave him alone, try and aim for a Kirby or a Quantrill or a Drew Smiley personally. Shane Langoliers, he's been added up quite a bit. He was the catching prospect, one of the big pieces that came back to Oakland in the Matt Olson trade in March. Made his debut yesterday, went one for four. He scored a run. I think that he's a must-add in all two-catcher formats and anything, I think, 15-team leagues. Uh, you know, if you're talking 12s, it's probably not going to work out. Catchers, I mean, I've done this a few times on the show, just going through the top catchers and seeing how deep the position really is. It's it's about 10 to 12 deep. The thing with Langoliers is, yes, there's there's potential there. He batted 286 with 19 homers and five steals in AAA this season. That's great. Uh, I think there's going to be a little bit of a platoon thing going on with him and Sean Murphy. Now, he'll DH the odd time, sure. I just don't know that he's going to play enough uh, to, to warrant, like, 12-team, one-catcher kind of thing. If we're talking two-catcher formats anywhere, then absolutely yes. And anything that's, like, 14-team and deeper, 15-team and deeper, yes. But in a 12-teamer, I think he's fringy. I think that there's mm, 12-team, one-catcher, I don't know that I would necessarily be biting on him just yet. That lineup around him is not going to do him any favors. It will be more of a platoon. Uh, I'm a little cautious there, but I think two-catcher, uh, I'd be all in on uh, using an ad on Langoliers. Christian Walker, I want to talk about briefly because it's been a while since we've talked about Christian Walker, but he's still producing. He's homered in three straight games now. The batting average sucks, absolutely. You're not going to get an argument from me there. But he's done pretty much what I thought he would do this year, and it's one of those small pats on the back I'll give myself. He's got 29 home runs and 69 RBIs, 55 runs scored. He is a solid three-category contributor. Like, those three categories he is really, really excellent in. Obviously, zero steals, a two twenty batting average, not doing you that many favors. But he should be on many, many more rosters than he is. 61%, especially in points leagues, like where you don't have to worry about that average and you just bank that production from the homers and everything else. I don't think he should be available in nearly as many spots. Over the last month, he has seven dingers. Like I said, three in his last three games. I really have been a fan of Christian Walker's, and I think that he is far too available. So uh, I would be adding him up wherever you can. One out, one uh, first base, 10-teamer, maybe not, but uh, 12-teamers and deeper, I think everywhere he needs to be added. And honestly, as I say that, I have him as a first baseman on one of my 10-team uh, Yahoo leagues where there's just a first base slot. And that team is doing pretty okay. So he can be a 10-team guy, but I think 12-team and deeper – He's an absolute must roster. Uh, he's someone that you guys should get on adding right away. Dustin May. He's been added up quite a bit. Now, there's not, he's probably already been added in most competitive leagues. He's at the 62% rostered. He's going to be starting on Saturday against the Marlins, and I kind of put him into that Mike Soroka range, but I'm a little more ready to add May because he's going to be back sooner here. They are in need. Walker Bueller going out for the season. I think that they're going to, you know, Baptism by fire is a stupid is a stupid phrase here, but they're just going to throw him into the fire and hope that he does well. I don't know how deep necessarily he's going to go, but he's got crazy, crazy strikeout stuff. <clears throat> We've seen him really dominate in the past. It's been a little while since he's done it because he's been hurt, but look back at some old Dustin May footage. Look at what he does. Even just go on like Pitching Ninja 
on Twitter and put in Dustin May and just see some of the stuff that he's done. Uh, he's he's really, really excellent. He is worth a speculative ad for me. I, I know that it's kind of a similar situation with Soroka a little bit, but you get more strikeouts out of May. He's going to be back sooner, uh, and they're a little bit more in need of a starting pitcher right now. So Dustin May, I think, makes a really strong, strong ad here. He's starting Saturday against the Marlins. It's a good, easy matchup to ease him back in. In your head-to-head leagues, if you don't need it on Saturday, if your pitching matchups are already pretty much sorted out, then, then you don't start them. If you're in a position where you just need some strikeouts, ERA and whip are already shot to hell, go ahead. There's nothing you can lose at that point. Because sometimes I see these lists, and it's like, no start, can't start this guy, must start that guy. It's like, in head-to-head, once the weekend hits, those designations go completely out the window, and it's all about categorical need. I focus mostly on categories. Obviously, points is a similar thing. If you need the points, you play them. And most of the time, you're not really going to sit somebody in a points league because there's no negative. In a category league, on a Saturday, Sunday, just because a guy has a must-start designation beside him does not mean you must start him. I think that that's something that really needs to get out there. Just because it's Justin Verlander or because it's McClanahan or Corbin Burns or whoever, if it's Sunday and your ERA is 1.98 and your opponent's ERA is 3.45, you shouldn't be starting those guys. I don't care if it's Cy Young if it's Roger Clemens, if it's Pedro Martinez, whoever it is, you shouldn't start them just for the sake of starting them. That's definitely something that people do. I don't understand it, and I think it's something that should be changed. So that's just to tie back to May. On Saturday, if you need it, then start him. If not, then leave him on the bench, and no harm, no foul. Let's talk about some of the drops. Zach Plezak is number one. When you get knocked around by the Tigers, it's definitely not going to do any favors for your fantasy managers or for the good grace you would have possibly built up prior absolutely i'm okay with a zach please act drop he doesn't give you much in the strikeout department he has won two games and in 120 innings this season 443 era 136 whip absolutely drop him no problem Aledmus diaz he's also been dropped here quite a bit he might be going to the injured list which is a shame because he has been pretty solid recently we've talked about him as being the ultimate utility man first second third short and outfield eligibility you plug him in literally anywhere Put him on your bench or even put him in your starting lineup recently. He'd played well enough to justify that. I preferred him as more of a guy who, when your regulars is sitting out, then you stick Aledmus Diaz in the lineup because you can literally put him anywhere. Right now, it appears like he's going to miss some time. Uh, I don't know that he's solid enough play where you'd hold regardless of IL stint or whatnot. Like If you have a free IL slot, then sure, I don't mind holding on. Uh, for the most part, I think it's okay to say our goodbyes to Alebmus Diaz. This is another one where it's a sad, sad goodbye, but I think it's what's probably justified at this point of the season, and that's Clay Holmes. He has blown, I think, three of his last four, or I think all of his last three save opportunities uh, he has blown. Three of his last four outings, anyway, he has allowed earned runs. Not, not good. Over the last month, which is seven and two-thirds innings for him, 8.22 ERA. That shining sub-1 ERA for the year is now at 2.39. And to top it all off, he has a back issue where he might have to go on the 15-day IL. That's just that's just shit. Uh, that's terrible. And especially because it's going to make people go and add a Roldis Chapman again. I feel like... Um, What's that? What's that movie? Groundhog Day, you know, going back to this. Not that it's happened over and over again, but I just feel like this this kind of thing has happened a few times now with Aroldis Chapman, where 
he's out of the closer role. He's not doing well. He goes back in. And not even just with the Yankees. I feel like this is something that happened once or twice with the Reds as well. And, man, he throws hard. He's just not very good a role as Chapman, I don't think, at this point. Has he been excellent at points in his career? Yeah, he has been. At this point, I'm not such a big fan. I feel like we're going to have to add him up here because Holmes is going down and Chapman will probably get the job. But, Jesus, it doesn't feel like a good ad here to pick up Chapman, even though it's what you should be doing. Uh, he'll get the role most likely. Maybe Trevino gets the odd save here and there, um, depending on depending on lineups and matchups and whatever else. Maybe if it's three righties due up, then you get Trevino possibly. I'm just not confident in a Chapman ad, even though it's, like I said, it's what makes sense here. It just does not at all inspire confidence in me. Holmes, uh, whether or not he goes on the IL, I think they said it could as of last night. I think the closer role is gone, and you should be thinking about dropping him here. He's gone from 81 to 72% rostered on Yahoo over the last week. It makes perfect sense that people are getting rid of him. It's a sad one because he kind of popped up out of nowhere, had a ton of value, but uh, it's time to say goodbye, unfortunately. A couple of other pitchers who have been dropped from yesterday – Jose Quintana, he didn't have a terrible outing, and I think I'd probably be holding on to him in most cases, honestly. But I can kind of understand it. He gets the Diamondbacks next time out. I think it's, I don't know. I'd probably lean towards holding on. I don't think there's much of a need here to be letting go of him. Over the last month, he's thrown 29 and two-thirds innings. He's got a 1-5-2 ERA. I, I don't think you need to drop him unless there's really a desperate need for that roster spot. And I, I doubt that you really do at this point. I'd probably be holding on here. Justin Steele is another kind of puzzling drop. He has been really excellent over the last month. 25 and a third innings, 1.07 ERA, and a 1.34 whip. The whip is higher than the ERA. Pretty funny. You don't usually see that. He has been superb, though. I know yesterday was against the Nationals, and people will say, oh, well, it was against the Nationals. A couple times in a row now, actually. But he's still upped his strikeout numbers. He's been able to do what he is supposed to do. And it's because it was the Nationals. I mean, I know I've shit-talked him a couple times already in this episode. But they're still, you know, professional baseball players. If you're able to go out there a couple times in a row and shut them down, I think it's worth noting still. Uh, and especially you look at the time before that, four and two-thirds and ten strikeouts. Like, he's definitely, definitely turned his season around. I don't know why people are dropping him. Again, I would probably just hold on. Uh, I don't know if his next start we know yet. Uh, the Brewers. I think it's scheduled for the Brewers. Should be a okay matchup there. Nothing little, nothing crazy, but I think that he should be fine enough to trot out there uh, against the Brewers here. Let's talk a little bit now about some matchups that will be taking place tonight and throughout the day. It's not a crazy great day for matchups, but there are a couple of decent ones here. Starting at 4 p.m. Eastern time, Padres and Marlins, we have Mike Clevenger and Pablo Lopez. One of my ESPN points leagues, it's a 10-team points league, this particular one, I entered right at the beginning of the season before I knew I was going to be doing this. There's no league fee. It's just straight up for fun. I just set my lineups there mostly just so I can keep track of the ESPN scoring. I'm in a 10-team ESPN points league and a 12-team ESPN points league, just kind of just to keep tabs on what's going on. In that 10-team league, Pablo Lopez was dropped, and I think it's kind of extreme to do that, but I can kind of understand it. He's been pretty shaky recently. Strikeouts have kind of been hit or miss. There was that 11-strikeout game uh, against Cincinnati in July, but the other recent numbers we've seen are 4, 6, 1, 6, 3. Not the greatest. I kind of understand it, but what I did is I scooped him up right away. Obviously, this is not going to be the case in most leagues. 
I don't understand why the person would have dropped him. But nonetheless, I picked up Pablo Lopez. I'm thinking that he can turn it around here uh, in these last, well, we were saying few, but we were talking about Morton earlier. It's probably like eight or nine starts left still. I still have faith in him uh, for those last few appearances. Definitely a little bit shaky, but definitely not somebody that I would be dropping. Mike Clevenger on the other side. I go back and forth about Clevenger. I really like him, but at the same time, I think he's a little bit overhyped, maybe. Good matchup here against uh, the Marlins. Absolutely a must-start. I just feel like maybe we overvalue Mike Clevenger a little bit. Just my, just what I think there, but I, I don't know. It's I just feel like we've, we've treated him as if he's really accomplished a lot. Some people are not big Clevenger people, but I feel like as a whole... We treat him as somebody who is maybe a little bit better than he is. But let's let's talk about a couple of other matchups here. Framber Valdez and Michael Kopech. That would be another really interesting one. Kopech has had a really bad rap, and he has been definitely not sharp the second half of the season. Walking everybody, it feels like. Regardless, he has a 3.18 ERA this season and a 1.18 whip. Yes, 51 walks in 104 innings is absolutely brutal. No question. He's still been pretty damn excellent if you look at the entire season as a whole. I know, yes, it's not been so great. I mean, if you're looking at his ERA on June 12th, it was 192. Still, uh, yes, there was regression. It was going to happen. No one really finishes with a sub-2 ERA. It's pretty damn rare. He's giving you a 3.18. That's. I know we're, we're boiling it down here to basics and just looking at ERA and walk rate and things like that, but... For fantasy purposes, that's what you need to look at. What kind of ERA has he been giving you? Is he walking batters? Is he giving up home runs? Are there a lot of strikeouts involved? Recent trends obviously play a factor into it. But Michael Kopech is not as bad as he's been made out to be, especially by people recently. Obviously, leaderboards are not very kind to him over the second half. But in the last month, 21 and two-thirds, 22 strikeouts, 2.49 ERA. I wouldn't be so worried. A lot of people don't like him anymore. I would not be so, so worried here. On the other side, it's Mr. Consistency himself, Framber Valdez, who literally gets you a quality start every time he takes the bump, it seems like. Uh, I forget we were looking at the numbers before, but it's like every single start. Actually, let me just pull them up. Every single start going back to April 19th, every one, well, actually past April 19th, so starting April 25th, until literally the present day, every start he has made has been a quality start. That's bonkers. That's just absolutely ridiculous. He gets a great matchup tonight in the White Sox. Absolute must-start player here. There's no matchup tonight that's like yesterday where I say, like, you got to have your eyes glued to the TV here. But I think these two are definitely going to be worth keeping an eye on different times so you can watch both of them, 4 and 8 p.m. Eastern, respectively. I think that they make for some decent viewing. Guys, that will do it for me for today. I really appreciate all of you who have already liked, subscribed, followed on Twitter and all that. I'll just recap one more time where to find me, at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. All of my content goes out over there. Baseball, fantasy baseball, my player analysis, Twitter threads, articles, everything. Check me out over on Twitter. I really appreciate you guys hitting the follow button. Subscribing to the podcast is a big one. I know a lot of people listen every day, but not a lot of people subscribe to the podcast every day. I'll see it when I first upload it, how many people actually, like, it gets downloaded right away. 
And I'd like for that number to keep going up and up. So if you do listen every day already, just hit the plus button. It'll make sure you keep downloading throughout the offseason. Maybe there'll be a day you can't listen. Understandable for sure. Uh, but if you keep showing support throughout the offseason, that would be very much appreciated. Following, liking, subscribing, positive reviews, all that stuff. Uh, I'd really appreciate you guys taking just a minute or two and doing that. I feel weird always about doing that, but it is the way to grow here in this industry. People leaving good reviews, five stars, all that. Uh, following on Twitter so other people see. And liking posts on Twitter is a big one too. Uh, just clicking the heart button just so other people get to see it. Uh, all of that stuff really means the world to me. And I, I thank all of you who do that <clears throat> who do that kind of stuff regularly because it's not a lot. Uh, but those of you who do it, it really does mean the world. So we will see you again tomorrow. We'll talk what happened today. We'll go through these pitching matchups. We'll do it all over again. But until next time. Cheers, everybody.